irrevocably in love with him, for she accepted all the ups and downs, the changes, the shocks, the humiliations, without complaint. Yet she was a woman of character, fiercely respectable. I was always a little, more than a little, frightened of her. In fact, though it sounds a shameful thing to say, one of the comforts of our days of poverty for me was that sooner or later she was obliged to look for work and thus divert her attention from the job of bringing me up properly. This bringing up, concentrated as it had to be into the periods when father was doing well, could become very tedious. Mother herself had been properly brought up. She was an orphan with a small but sufficient income of her own when she married father. That had long since gone the way of everything that Christopher Hatton ever got his hands on. In our bad days... Mother made a little money by plying one of her two self-taught skills. She was good at dressing hair, either on the head or made into wigs, and she could wash and iron the most delicate fabrics. Sometimes she could get a job where both her arts were employed at one of the theatres. She would also build for herself a clientele of ladies, not of the first rank, who employed no body-maid or regular hairdresser and merely wished to look fine occasionally. She was hampered, of course, because as soon as she had a number of regular or semi-regular customers, father's luck would swing round, and off we'd go into the other world where she could have her own hair dressed, her own muslins washed by hired hands, should she so choose. And then all her energy and purpose went into making up time lost in my education. We had no friends. There was never time. Often enough, in the comfortable, even luxurious lodgings in which our affluent periods were spent, we would strike up an acquaintance with people who lived in other parts of the same house, or next door, or on the opposite side of the road. There would be tea drinkings, musical evenings, outings to the theatre, drives into the country. But all such friendships died young. The morning would come when father would say, "'Annabelle, we're ruined.' On those occasions, Mother allowed herself a momentary relaxation from strict truthfulness. To anyone likely to be interested in our whereabouts, she would say that we were returning to the country. Then would begin the tramping round, the frantic search for that rare thing, a really cheap lodging house with no prostitutes in it. Mother detested prostitutes and could detect one at a distance of fifty yards. To do her justice... She had an equally keen eye for what she called a decent poor woman, and there was usually such a one somewhere handy, and to her charge I would be committed when the time came for Mother to begin looking for work. I knew the rules governing my behaviour in Houndsditch as well as those that must be observed in Bloomsbury Square. They were different, but equally strict. In Houndsditch, or Moorfields or Aldermanbury, or once when we had to go across the river in a dreadful place called Pickled Herring Street, I was to keep myself to myself. I was not to play with other children in the gutter, not to look at, leave alone, speak to, any man, not to enter anyone else's room except the decent poor woman's, if there was one. The rules were impossible to keep quite apart from the fact that the life in the streets exerted an irresistible fascination over me, I was young and pliable, bound to become part of my background.
Father had his gentleman Johnny immunity, and Mother always somehow managed to establish herself as a superior being. Somebody would be scalded or fall downstairs, or be taken by premature labour, and there'd be Mrs. Atten, cool, sensible and resourceful, knowing exactly what to do and doing it quite kindly, but making everyone else feel a fool. I was just a little girl, remarkably small for my age, with a mop of peculiar coloured hair, and had I tried to obey the rules, especially the one about keeping myself to myself, my life would not have been worth living. Real knowledge drifts into the mind imperceptibly. It may be possible to say that on a certain day in March, in a certain year, you mastered the multiplication rule in arithmetic, or how to stitch a buttonhole.